Uh, it is really good to be together again. And um, for those who are here for the very first time, a special welcome. And uh, there's a little card on your table if you would want to take a picture of that, scan it, and then fill out that form. We'll be in touch with you and we can give you more information about uh, the church. And uh, it's really glad to have you here. I'm seeing some alumni that are in town. I'm seeing parents that are here. I'm seeing uh, lots of beautiful faces out here. So it's really good and really glad that you're able to join us online. I know many of you. Uh, join us on a weekly basis. It's really good to have you. And I will be inviting those of you who are online to join me at my table um, in just a little bit. So we'll be dropping a Zoom link and telephone number, and hopefully you can uh, join me in, uh, in the discussion. Last week, uh, we began our uh, study of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this is a, a message that Jesus gave to his disciples, and it's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 to 7, it's just three amazing chapters in the Bible. And uh, so the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapters 5 to 7. In these teachings, we, we mentioned this last week, that in, in this teaching of Jesus, he explained both the kind of character and the kind of behavior that his followers were to exhibit as they lived out their faith in the world. The sermon begins with the Beatitudes, which we looked at last week, which describe the kinds of people Jesus called blessed. You might remember the list. They are the poor in spirit, mourners, meek, those who pursue righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, peacemakers, those persecuted for righteousness. These, these are the ones that Jesus called out as blessed. And it is these disciples who exhibit the very nature of Jesus. I mentioned this last week that uh, nowhere in the Beatitudes, and this was surprising to me at one point in my uh, Christian life, uh, somebody said, go look at the Beatitudes and tell me. Uh, what you see, and I noticed for the first time that nowhere in there is there reference to money or wealth, right? No reference to power, no reference to good looks and beauty um, and, um, or health. No reference actually to the good in health, those that are healthy. Or there's no reference actually to any of the common ways that we frequently described in our society as those who are blessed. It's so confusing. <laughs> Jesus, you've done it again. You've turned everything upside down. Now, I said this last week, and I want you to hear me loud and clear. There is nothing inherently wrong or evil with possessing wealth or good looks or good health. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, those are okay things to pray for, of course, for his provision. For health, of course. But it's when we begin, when we get confused and we begin to think that only people who possess, you know, those characteristics, who are wealthy, who are always healthy, who are always happy and have the perfect kids or whatever, it's only those people that are blessed and the people who maybe are struggling a little bit in life or maybe have chronic health issues that somehow they're not blessed by God. That's when it becomes problematic, right? Yeah, okay. So this week, we're actually going to continue our study of the Sermon on the Mount by looking at the next set of uh, verses here, um, verses 13 to 16 in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. And together, we're going to consider why 
Jesus called his followers to be salt and light. We just sang a lot about being light. We didn't sing so much about being salt. Um, I would love for somebody to write a worship song about being salt. I just challenge you, huh? What's that? Okay. All right. Okay. Um, there you go. So we're going to sing it next week. Okay. Um, so what it means to be salt and light and what that specifically means for us today, because that's what we need to figure out. How on earth do we understand it and how do we apply it? So to end, uh, we're going to help out a little bit. Uh, this is Service Sunday. This is one of our Service Sundays. We haven't really broadly advertised, but we're, but we're actually going to take time this morning in our service to, to, some write, to write some encouraging notes to people that we've been told need it. And um, so we're going to put what we learned today in immediate action, but um, you, can, you can put it in action throughout the week. That would probably be a good thing. All right, so here's the passage. We're going to read Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. You would read along with me. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand where it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. I just pray for us. And so, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for preserving your word, Father, over the centuries so that what we have before us we know is an accurate transcription of, of what you spoke. We can have confidence, God, in the authority of your word. So we open up our hearts and our minds to you, and we pray, Holy Spirit, you would teach us and illuminate the truth of your word and how we can live it out. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, uh, I read a, an excerpt from, from this book. You remember? I held up the book. Uh, living, or following the Call, Living the Sermon on the Mount Together. It's published by Plow Publishing House, and I'm holding it up because this is a shameless book plug. <laughs> so yeah, if you can, I would strongly recommend picking up the book. It's going to guide you through the Sermon on the Mount over the course of about a year, really. Um, and so the Sermon on the Mount, um, um, oh, this is called Following the Call, Living on the Sermon on the Mount. I wasn't, well, I didn't know actually I was going to be up here again this week until a couple of days ago. And then um, I came across another passage that I just have to read from this book. And so if you would bear with me, it's written by one of my favorite theologians, John Stott. Uh, and this is a paraphrase section um, of what John Stott recorded on here in this book. John writes this, the basic truth which lies behind the metaphors of salt and light and is common to them both is that the church and the world are distinct communities. On the one hand, there is the earth. And on the other hand, there is you, the earth's salt. On the one hand, there is the world. And on the other hand, there is you, the world's light. The metaphors tell us something about both communities. The world is a dark place with little or no light of its own. Since... Jesus says, an external source of light is needed to illumine it. True, 
It is always talking about enlightenment, but much of its boasted light is in reality darkness, John Stott observes. The world also manifests a constant tendency to deteriorate. Anybody ever notice that? Or is it just John? Yeah. The notion is not that the world is tasteless and that Christians can make it somehow more flavorful, but that it is dying. It cannot stop itself from going bad. Only salt introduced from the outside can do this. The church, on the other hand, is set in the world with a double role as salt to arrest or at least to hinder the process of social decay and as light to dispel the darkness. John continues to write, he says, Christian saltiness is Christian character as depicted in the Beatitudes. Committed Christian discipleship that shows in deed and in word. To be effective, the Christian must retain his Christ-likeness as salt must retain its saltiness. If we Christians are indistinguishable from non-Christians, we are useless. We might as well be discarded like salt, saltless salt, thrown out and trodden underfoot by man. Jesus' words. As with salt, so with light. The affirmation is followed by a condition. Let your light shine before others. So if salt can lose its saltiness, the light in us can become darkness. But if we are to allow the light of Christ within us to shine out from us so that people may see it, that is what we are called to do. That is, as the disciples of Jesus, we are not to conceal the truth we know or the truth that we are. We are to be ourselves, our true Christian selves, openly living the life described in the Beatitudes and not ashamed of Christ. Then, then people will see us and our good works and seeing us will glorify God. For they will inevitably recognize that it is by the grace of God we are what we are, that our light is his light and that our works are his works done in us and through us. Is that good? John Stott. Boy, if you haven't come across John Stott and read any of his material, I encourage you. Not a bad British theologian, Martin. Not a bad British theologian. So, um, yeah, he's fantastic, and I just eat up a lot of what he has to say. Well, what stood out to me, what stands out to me from John Stott's reflection is that our ability to serve as salt and light in this world is directly related to to the ability to which we conform to the character of Christ, as described in, as he said, the Beatitudes. In other words, if we want to have a God-honoring impact in this world, could I see a show of hands? Who wants to have a God-honoring impact in this world? Anybody here? Raise them up high. I can't see you. There are many people in this room, folks, online, that want to have a God-honoring impact in this world. If that is your prayer, if that's your desire, then there must be a God-honing impact in your life. And this is a daily process. 
the daily transforming work of the Holy Spirit and His Word, which is conforming us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, who is our blessed Lord and Savior. And we do this so that we might love Him and love our neighbors in word and in deed, as salt and in light, as light to His glory. Okay. I'm going to stop preaching. I'm going to give you time at, at the table to discuss these verses. But before you do, I'm going to read the verses one more time. And then I'm going to give a moment of just silence. And again, I do this. I'm an introvert. I appreciate silence. I need silence. And so I'm going to give us a minute for silence um, so that we can really hear from God and then have something to share at, at our table. Right? That's not maybe just us, but maybe inspired by the Holy Spirit. So let me just read this passage to you again. It's Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's give you one minute to reflect quietly on this passage. Okay, we're going to give you about 10 minutes to um, consider the questions. Uh, they should be at your table. Uh, they're Matthew 5, 13 to 16 questions. Um, and uh, try to pace yourself as you work through these questions. Okay, that time flew, <laughs> so I lost track of time. That's really good. Anybody else lose track of time? Yeah, it's like, whoa, whoa. Um, okay. I hope that that was really good, maybe insightful, I, you know, maybe a chance for you to kind of process your own thoughts around the text. What does it mean? How does it, how does it apply? Maybe hearing how other, others are kind of working their way through the text, trying to interpret it, trying to better understand it. If that was helpful to you, uh, let, let people at your table know. You know, afterwards, you can, hey, thanks for that. That was a really, really great comment. So, and, uh, and if you did not get a chance to pray for one another, there's no reason why you can't continue to, um, you know, to pray for one another as we dismiss.